Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. One last piece I want to come to is critical thinking, right? Because ultimately, if there's any skill that a human possesses that really enables them to extend their creative potential with AI, it's critical thinking. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will do something like they'll type a prompt into chat GPT. And, you know, because I remember I, this was actually based on a conversation with you that I ended up writing this entire chapter about how to talk to AI. And we'll, we'll get to that. But um, because the thing is, like, most people will accept the first answer, right? Because that's what we've been trained to do is search for right answers. You know, it's like in school, what do you do? You regurgitate information, you pass a test. It's like, OK, this is the right answer. And critical thinking is about asking questions. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Welcome to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, and today I'm going to be your host. My name is Matthew Cook, partner at Evolution and Wisdom in the Workplace. I'm going to be here today with your normal host, Srivas Rao, and really excited today to talk about Srini's book, The Artificially Intelligent Creative, How Anyone Can Create Anything with AI. Srini, I'm so excited to talk about this, man. Uh, we've been homies forever, yeah. and I don't know if people normally get to see you rock out uh, on your stuff. We're going to turn the mic around to you today to really get your insight uh, in the work that you've been doing really behind the scenes for a long time, and I think really like bringing your expertise forward. So welcome to the show, Shree. Thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of uh, on your own show. Interesting to be the guest on your own podcast. But, I, I, you know, funny enough, we've done this maybe one or two times before. I think once when Indian matchmaking came out and um, usually the only time I'm the guest is when I have a book coming out and, you know, kind of like people do all these things to promote their books. I'm like, wait a minute, I have a podcast of my own. Why don't I just get somebody to interview me on my podcast about the book? Yep. That would be fairly straightforward because, uh, yeah. But I'm I'm excited to talk about this. I mean, as you know, I'm, you know, uh, like crazy passionate enthusiast about all this stuff. So uh, let's get through it. You read the book. So I'm going to turn it yeah. over to you, man. Let's hop in, dude. Well, I think what would be really a good place to start, actually, Srini, is like, why why Srinivas Rao? Like, what, what I guess I just want to start with, like, what is the interest for you? Um, and really, where have you been able to make this be something that's become a place of expertise for you? Yeah. 
Well, so one thing that uh, I've said before is that my default sort of question anytime I come across new technology is to ask myself, what does this enable me to make that I couldn't make before? Uh, or yeah, what does this make possible that wasn't before? Again, credit where credit is due. Uh, Greg Hartle, who was my mentor, when he traveled around the country and worked one-on-one with 500 people, he would ask people, do you know how to use the internet? And of course, people looked at him like he was an idiot. And because, you know, asking somebody that is like, so, you, you know, do you know how to check email? But then he would follow that up with a much more sort of thought-provoking question. He said, great, show me something that you've made using the internet. And so I've always seen technology as a tool that enables people to be creative, uh, whether it's a computer. And the thing that has happened over the past 20, 25 years since I was in college is that the tools have become substantially cheaper, easier to use and easier to learn. And, you know, the thing that I think AI does is it just drastically changes that to the point where it's almost effortless. It's, it's frictionless to create something in a way that you couldn't before. I mean, I think you and I have sat on random calls and, you know, we'll throw out an idea and 20 seconds, I'll flush out the idea for you and you'll be like, oh my God. And uh, I think that the the problem is that people often sort of tinker with these tools and they kind of think, oh, well, this sucks. It's not amazing. And I think largely that lies in the fact that they're not really thinking about this from a more intentional place of how to use these tools with the thought that, okay, how am I going to use this to enhance my actual work? Like, what do I want to accomplish with this? Um, what do I want right. to make? You know, and that, again, takes us back to that question, of which has pretty much been sort of my default question. You know, if there are two things that drive my sort of interest in all of this, if you look at every creative project I've done has been sort of the result of my own personal curiosity uh, from starting Unmistakable Creative to writing books to tinkering with new technology. I'm just somebody who's more, uh, I'm not an expert in AI, but I am uh, a person whose expertise lies in creativity, who has used AI to enhance my creativity and to do things at speeds that are unparalleled. I mean, things that used to take weeks now take less than a day. Things that used to take hours take minutes. It's kind of um, one of the most fundamental shifts we've seen probably in 200 years in terms of how all this works. But that, that's at a high level what made me want to explore this. And this book was largely accidental. Uh, I, you know, the crazy thing about this book was I was using MEMS AI tools, Smart Write and Edit, and just out of the blue one day, my, I was showing my brother-in-law uh, how it worked. And I said, you know, if we have wanted to create a course about artificial intelligence and creativity, this is what we could do. And I said, write up a synopsis for a course with 10 modules and it did in 30 seconds. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, And then I just kind of set it aside. And MEM is kind of interesting in that random notes surface spontaneously. And that note surfaced spontaneously sometime in January. And so I thought to myself, well, you know what, let me just write a synopsis for a book called The Artificially Intelligent Creative. And that was, I think, on a Monday. And then Tuesday, I came back and I thought to myself, well, let's see what it does if I ask it to create a table of contents for this book. And when I saw the table of contents, I thought to myself, wait a minute, those are all notes that I have in my databases. Every one of those things that are in that table of contents are titles. And so I just started filling it out just a little bit at a time every day. And I think by the time I had gotten through 10 days of working on it, it's like, wait a minute, I just wrote 80% of a book in 10 days. That's unheard of. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of what led to it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, and I, what I'd really actually, I want to get into right away because I know that this is actually going to be really a polarizing uh, interview for some people immediately right off the bat. And what what I really loved about reading this book and what I'd really love to dive into first and really have you share your philosophy on is really that this book is about using AI to enhance creativity, not to replace us as humans. And in fact, I found that 
it's really about like providing practical techniques and tips uh, and even, you know, insights to really like help harness yeah, the power of AI in creative pursuits. So so I'd love for you to just kind of talk like top of the the interview here around this idea of like tech and humans and and the colliding of the two and how you see AI really fitting into our lives. Yeah, I think that the the great fear of so many people when it comes to AI is that, oh, this is going to replace all of us and we're all going to be useless and worthless. But what they're not realizing what, with that argument is that AI can do a lot of things, but it cannot rival a human being in probably four key areas, right? Critical thinking, curiosity, creativity, um, and communication. It, it, those are things that are just uniquely human skills that AI cannot rival you in. And so I think that that really sets the tone for all this. But I, I think the way to frame this really is to think about this from a standpoint of just at the, the sort of lowest level, let's start with basic economic foundations, right? So in Whenever the, the Wealth of Nations was written, Adam Smith drew the conclusion that division of labor is the key to maximizing output. That's no secret. You can't build a, a company nowadays, or well, we'll get to this, but you know, the, the sort of conventional understanding is that you, know, you need a team to build a company. You need people who are all good at what they're doing. And why does division of labor maximize output? Because of the fact that every individual is doing what they do best. And so as a result, right. you combine those skills together and you're able to do things like build Google or build Facebook um, because everybody is good at something different. Now, the thing is that division of labor also was what made it possible for Henry Ford to manufacture cars at scale. It led to the birth of the assembly line and the in entire industrial revolution was basically division of labor, maximizing output to build the economy as we know it today. Now, the Industrial Revolution comes to an end. We go into this knowledge economy, but that idea of division of labor doesn't go away. You're still having to depend on technology. So, for example, let's just do a very basic example. Let's say that, you know, we want to launch an online course. Well, one person is good at creating the content. Then you bring in somebody to do the copywriting to sell the course, you know, somebody to set up all the systems, um, you know, to automate all of that. And so the issue with all of this is that labor despite being this huge point of leverage that allows people to create more than they could, because anybody would you know, know that, okay, if I get five people doing different things, I'm going to be able to get a lot more stuff done. But the biggest issue is that labor is prohibitively expensive, you know, and until the, the emergence of AI, like the, the ability to use division of labor to do things at scale was only accessible to people with deep pockets, like large corporations. Not only that, labor is a pain in the ass because you have to manage people and people have problems and issues and, you know, they get sick, they get annoyed, you know, blah, 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 or whatever, you know, there are all these, these issues that come up, right? And so uh, that's the thing that I think it all really changes is that it basically is probably the most fundamental shift in economic power distribution that we've seen in 200 years since the Industrial Revolution because up until now, labor has been an obstacle. Like if you don't have access to labor or deep pockets or resources, then, you know, you're, you're kind of screwed. You're kind of just limited to being, you know, a quote unquote solo entrepreneur. And there's only so much you can do by yourself as we understood it conventionally. But as you've seen from my efforts in the last couple of weeks, AI changes all of that uh, because it enables us to do things at scale with almost, you know, like free or dirt cheap tools with nowhere near the amount of labor or expertise, because it's almost always like, you know, you don't know how to do something, then just ask an AI tool, it'll tell you how to do it. Uh, 
So that's that's one big thing. But I think the other really big part of this that's critically important to your point in the question itself was, oh, you know, this could be very polarizing for people. Like some people are like, oh, this isn't going to change everything. And that's, in my mind, if you are resisting this, you're going to be left behind. Um, like knowing how to use AI in the workplace, whether it's for creative work or knowledge work, is a massive competitive advantage. Because if you've got people who are going to be able to produce and, you know, like execute at a speed that's 10x yours and produce stuff that's just as high quality, if not higher, that's what you're up against. So if you're doing that, then you're kind of really in trouble if you think that, oh, I'm just going to do things the old way. I'm going to resist all of this. Then you're going to get left behind. That's that's the reality of this. I think that every time new technology comes along, people resist it, right? Like they're like, oh, the internet, this is the stupidest thing ever. Next thing you know, everybody's on it, right? Um, like think about the beginning of the internet, right? The beginning of the internet was the wild, wild west. And it still kind of is. Like we just didn't know what this thing was. Like it's like, I, I still remember to this day, walking to my dad's office, discovering, you know, what was then a, uh, the first web browser before Netscape, it was called Mosaic. It was a project only accessible to academics. And my dad was a professor, so we had access. And of course, like any teenage boy, the first thing I did was look for porn. Um, and I'm pretty sure that every 40 year old person or anybody in my generation, that's usually the first thing they looked at, uh, when they got the internet. And if they say they didn't, I'm guessing they're just trying to save face, but that's just, you know, the reality of what, because there just wasn't a lot on the internet at that time. So yeah, naturally, yeah, yeah. you're... But, you but what was the... Yeah, what was the immediate... So so there was the immediate draw to to the internet, like, at the beginning. And and I guess I'm curious, like, how do you see that sort of being overlaid to, like, now in what's being created well, with AI? I'm hearing okay, so, the, the competitive advantage. Is it sort of like the first first to market, first... first no, believe it or not, first to market is not the advantage here, right? It's enabling you to do what you already do better and faster. Um, and the first to market is actually an illusion because, you know, the thing is that if you're first to market, you're effectively inventing the market. It's not always the biggest advantage. It's not a coincidence that Google was the sixth search engine, right? They basically let everybody screw it up before them and say, okay, now we see, you know, like how much it sucks. Like, I don't know if you remember yeah. search before Google, but it was shit, you know, because oh, you yeah. literally would go and search for things and be like hours, like combing through links. And then Google came along and I was like, oh, I got exactly what I need. Now, the reason that Google has, has been basically issuing a code red is that something like ChatGPT is basically an existential threat to them because of the fact that it's like, why would I search Google when I can get the exact answer I'm looking for to my question without having to click 20 links and just asking, you know, an exact question and getting the exact answer? Like, we've never had that capability in a large language model before. Um, yeah. because Google basically says, okay, like this is the most relevant link. And the reason it's the most relevant link is because more, the most, the most number of pages link to it. Um, but it may not be the best thing. It may just be somebody who's good at optimizing for SEO. And so as a result, that person ends up getting, you know, sort of the, the bulk of the, the traffic, even though it might not be the answer you're looking for. I mean, everybody's had this experience. I know you have where you're searching for an answer to Google or something. And if you have to go more than two pages deep, it gets really annoying. You're like, this is BS. Like, I'm, this is not what I'm looking for. Um, so, it, it, like, so this is something that I, I've um, talked about in, in a, a talk that I gave before, and this really is an idea that came from Julian Smith, right, is that you have these intersections of technology that create paradigm shifts, and they happen once every 10 years or so. Um, and so in the early or the mid-90s or so, like right around the time Mosaic came out, uh, the porn industry, surprisingly, they gave us the ability to process credit cards uh, over the Internet. They're the ones who created that technology. And mm -hmm. the thing is that when you combine those that technology with 
the commercial web browser, e-commerce, as you know, it is born. You get Amazon, you get eBay, all those sort of early sort of internet ideas, right? The things that we just sort of accepted as, okay, this is how the internet works. Then you fast right. forward to 2008, the iPhone comes out. I think it was 2007, the first iPhone comes out. Um, and iPhone has location tracking. So now you have the combination of a mobile device and location tracking. You put those two things together and that makes, you know, the, the different types of services that we use like Uber, DoorDash, Airbnb, all these things that weren't possible before, the ability to unlock electronic locks from a phone. It basically gives right. us all of that because of the intersection of those technologies. Now, what you're going to see here, all those technologies intersecting together simultaneously with AI layered on top of it. And so suddenly you have an exponentially increased ability to do things that you could not do before creatively or otherwise. It is by far one of the things that I think is just been a technology that many of us have been waiting for it. I, I have been waiting for a long time for this because when you have a thousand interviews, right? You're, the yeah. the ways in which you can repurpose and repackage content at scale are are endless, but it was incredibly time consuming. Um, one of a stupidly simple example, like I'm not a big social media fan, but it's a necessary evil to promote content. And I don't, you know, sitting around like sifting through a podcast transcript for potential social updates to promote an interview is is mind numbing. Now I can literally press right. a button and in ten seconds have twenty different tweets that are using the exact words from the podcast. They're better than anything I would have figured out. You know. Um, And so, you know, then we're talking very, very low level stuff and we can get into some of the higher level stuff, uh, you know, as we get deeper into this. But the thing is that now one last piece I want to come to is critical thinking, right? Because ultimately, if there's any skill that a human possesses that really enables them to extend their creative potential with AI, it's critical thinking. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will do something like they'll type a prompt into ChatGPT. And, you know, because I remember this was actually based on a conversation with you that I ended up writing this entire chapter about how to talk to AI. And we'll we'll get to that. But um, because the thing is, like, most people will accept the first answer, right? Because that's what we've been trained to do is search for right answers. You know, it's like in school, what do you do? You regurgitate information, you pass a test. It's like, okay, this is the right answer. And critical thinking is about asking questions. Yeah, well, and we've never interacted with AI. So I think for a lot of us, or machine learning. So for a lot of us, we don't understand that it's like, you know, it certainly doesn't have sentient in the way, no sentient in the way that like, you know, a human does. But it's certainly, it, it is like we are speaking to an other. And so we actually have to like train it and tell it how we want to be interacted with in a way that like we, we, many of us don't have training on well, or expertise. Is, and, I, and that's what I love about your book is you actually go into this is some of the ways that you can start to train the AI and yeah. get to your point to get the kind of responses that you want. Well, it, it's not just training the AI, but being willing to be patient with it and ask it questions and say, you know, like, okay, great. I didn't get the output I want. Then saying, okay, let me rephrase this question uh, or, you know, like change, you know, phrase it differently. Uh, so I'll give you an example. I, I think by the time people have heard this, they won't have heard this, but within a day or two, they're going to be hearing a, a new um pilot episode of this idea that I've had called How They Met Each Other, um, which is about how couples have met. And, you know, I'd been sitting on this idea for a long time. And so I dumped uh, transcripts of two, uh, a couple, like my cousin uh, Rama and her husband Srish. And I, I literally was like, rearranged this in a linear order for me to tell a story for a podcast episode. And the first few iterations, it kept mangling it. And I was like, don't change the dialogue. I said, rearrange it. Um, and so it took about an hour. And then finally, I got to the end. And I said, listen, I was like, 
this was too long. There were too many mistakes. Instead of getting pissed off at a machine, which is utterly pointless, I said, can you please explain to me how to frame my questions so that I can get to the output that I was, that we just produced faster the next time around. Give me the questions that I need to answer for you. Because it's not just about training the AI to know how you, like how you want it to work for you, but you have to basically ask it how it wants you to work with it, you know? And right. the, the example I give in the book is like, if you hired a, uh, an employee and you communicated poorly on how to perform a task or complete something and the, the employee did a shitty job, whose fault is that? It's not the the employee's fault. It's your fault because you did a shitty job explaining. And so if you don't understand how to communicate clearly, like I think that I am realizing now that having been a writer uh, for so long is actually a substantial advantage because I'm just used to writing my ideas down and and trying to communicate them as clearly as possible. Um, Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to have been a writer or published author to to leverage this to your advantage. I mean, people are doing all sorts of crazy shit with this. I mean, I. I, I I was amazed. One day, just out of boredom, I was like, hey, show me some use cases that are unheard of or that people would never think in a million years you'd use chat GPT for. And I'll give you a, a ridiculous example. So I had you know, my, my blood work done recently because I'm about to be 45. So I wanted to see kind of like what the baseline for my health was. And I had chat GPT literally look at a PDF, link to a PDF and analyze my blood work, keep, which is all just, you know, medical gibberish and write it up for me wow. in a comprehensive, like easy to understand outline in, in like English, in layman's terms. And I was like, this is amazing uh, that I could do that. And you can keep going layers further. You're like, okay, great. Like, see this part here. It's like, expand on this part right here and explain more. And then, you know, like I was getting basically just a complete overview of my health from a damn AI language model that was taking something that as somebody who was not a doctor, I couldn't understand. And I didn't want to talk to my sister because it's going to be, oh, you know, you need to do this, this, and this. Um, and so... That's kind of mind boggling that we can do that. But uh, the funnier ones, you know, some people have used it as a virtual pet. Uh, others have created games within it. Like you can play, you can literally train, you can basically tell ChatGPT, okay, let's create a, a choose your own adventure game um, with ChatGPT and say, okay, I want you to create the parameters of the game. I want you to tell me how the game will work. And then I want you to tell me how to design the game within ChatGPT. And ChatGPT will do the whole thing for you in seconds. Um, stuff like that. So like, you know, there are a lot of unconventional use cases that people wouldn't have thought of. Uh, but you know, I, like I said, I mean, you've watched me work with some of these tools and seen what I can do. And then, you know, um, right. I think that, that, that if there's anything you, you've seen it firsthand. I think you've seen the proof. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. absolutely i mean tree i mean i i lived with you for over two years and you are one of the most prolific writers and creatives that i've ever seen uh your ability to sit down and consistently be at your you know quote-unquote typewriter you know your laptop and just really really punch the keys and like be there to do the work showing up day in day out with consistency and intensity uh and and just seeing the output that you've been able to now do having AI at your fingertips um, is is so profound. Uh, but something I'd love to, so um, some may be familiar with Tristan Harris and the Center for Humane Technology. I don't yeah. want to take us at all off off of what you're, you're doing because I think your thesis still really stands. One of the things that he said is that this is the, the um, finding of AI and really t- uh, like, going into this is is like the same thing as when we found fire yeah well um and so i guess i want to kind of like hear from your perspective and i think you bake this into the words that you wrote in the book but like 
for for those folks. I guess mm-hmm. I want to hear like what your thoughts are around that, and and because there's also a lot of fear going on yeah. right now, Shreedy, because because it's exponentially, yeah, like the speed that it's moving is so much further than our linear minds can really like even comprehend. No, totally. So I guess I'm just curious to hear like how you see that working in the creative field. Yeah, let, um, let's uh, let's talk about the, the the discovery of fire because I remember when you told me that I decided to you know, let like. Like I like you'd expect me to. I went into ChatGPT and I think I sent you a text about it. I was like, you know, these are the things that Fire made possible that weren't before. Like, so think about f- the discovery of Fire. Like, when's the last time you thought about Fire and what it makes possible day to day in your life? Like, I, I I doubt any of us have ever taken the time to think that think about that. But then when I looked at it, I was like, give me the everyday uses, right? Like, think about something like eating a steak, you know, before the discovery of fire, nobody had their steaks, you know, medium rare, well mm-hmm. done. It was like, here's a dead piece of cow. I hope you enjoy it. You know, just the simple act of being able to eat like heated food, like hot food was made possible because of the discovery of fire. Uh, but I mean, fire is literally everywhere in our lives. It's so deeply embedded that we're just unaware of it. Like if you have a heater in your home, guess what? If it wasn't for the discovery of fire, you'd be freezing your ass off. Um, as you know, you would appreciate since you live in Boulder, where I know it just snowed in April. Uh, so, you know, I mean, simple things like even manufacturing, right? Like if you think about all the sort of factories and all these things, like none of this stuff would have been possible without the invention of or discovery of fire. And it seems so stupidly simple now. And the funny thing is, 10 years from now, I think we're going to look at AI the same way. It's just going to be such a deeply embedded part of our lives that you won't think of it as, oh, you know, artificial intelligence, it'll just be the way we work, right? Uh, right. Well, Rex Woodbury says the same thing. He writes the digital native, one of the Substack uh, newsletters that I pay attention to. And he says that AI is kind of like when we first invented cars. We didn't stop walking necessarily because we had cars, but we were able to get places a lot faster. Yeah, exactly. And so you're able to finish the same work a thousand times faster. You know, like, for example, you and I are going to record this podcast episode. I'm going to use Descript AI tool to transcribe it. That'll take 20 seconds. You know how long a human would have taken to do that? Like one day, you know? Yeah. And that right there is is a perfect example. And then I'll dump it into another AI tool where it'll go and clean it up and make it be spotless in terms of proofreading. And another AI tool to say, okay, take this podcast transcript and turn it into a full blog post written in second person where we cover all the key ideas um, without mangling the content. And it'll do it faster than I ever could. Like certain times, like I, I... Look, if there's one thing that I should have emphasized for the book, and I realize this is something I wish I'd put in in sort of a Q&A section at the end, but something that you'd mentioned is like, you know, there are parts that sounded like AI had wrote it. And I, and I, you know, I told you, I said, like, here's in full transparency, my goal was to get this like as concise as possible. Um, so I did all of the original writing. I did all of it myself. I used AI to revise and develop and to improve it. Um, that's where I, I basically, and I, I actually just had a standard like formatted prompt, which is actually in the book that I used in chat GPT to revise everything so that the structure of the revisions came out exactly the same every single time. So that way I had the same process falling over. Cause the thing is, if you ask different questions, you're like, Oh, give me feedback on this, whatever. But if you ask the same question every time, you're going to get very standardized formatting in terms of the feedback. And I needed to standardize the process. Uh, yeah. for doing this. I, I will say, I will, for those listening, Shri, I will just say for those listening, that is worth the price of the book alone. And feel free to share it here. Otherwise, they should totally go buy the book because we are using that right now for our manuscript because we're writing a book for wisdom in the workplace it is so invaluable to have that 
uh, input for ChatGPT. Yeah, the I one mean, that you made. Yeah, I don't it's, even remember what it is. It's off like game head, busters. Yeah, it's, it, it is so valuable in terms of uh, restructuring, taking a look at the content, making sure that it is uh, like not only concise, but that the the content flows properly. It's it's so invaluable. Well, that, that was that the, the large reason that I, I, I used it was to get the, the flow down so that it just felt yep. seamless to read, you know, to the reader. Like it needed to be easy to read more than anything else. That was the goal. And, it, you know, and it stripped out stuff. There were times when I was like, no, don't strip that out. I'm like, I want to keep that in there you know, where. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the thing is that I'm the one who did the writing first and then I used it. And I, I've done this with a lot of writing lately. It's like, OK, you know, reword this so it sounds a bit more concise. So. What I realize it does is it frees me up to do the thing that I do best, which is to actually come up with the original ideas. You know, so this is go. something that I, we need to emphasize because um, I, I did actually go into this. Yeah. I did actually. Well, I think because Shri, there's there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, crap, AI is going to come and take my job. And I, I think what I'm more hearing is actually it's it's not the artist who uh, it, it's really it's like the artist who uses AI versus the artist who doesn't use AI. That's really more. The, the competition, not just AI in general or the well, creative. So if it's, it's funny you say that. We had Kevin Kelly on recently. And uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, he's the founder of Wired Magazine. And Kevin Kelly is kind of always at the forefront of this stuff. And he said that he'd been looking to find somebody to, to actually find a case study of somebody who lost their job due to AI. And he hasn't been able to find one, um, <laughs> which, you know, like unless you're talking about a transcriptionist. But I don't think that it, it's going to make anybody lose their job. It's going to change their jobs you know, inevitably, like it's going to change yeah. the parts of your job that are high value. And, and it also is going to kind of force you to get real about what your skills are and whether they're valuable, you know, for what the, the era that we're going into. Um, because you know what, like, it, if you're average at what you do, then you should be concerned. Uh, yeah. But if you're good at what you do, then this is something that's going to enable, enable you to do it Amplify. a thousand times better and faster. Um, so it, the, the thing is that it, my cousin in there was really one, the one who stumbled on this insight. I was having a conversation with him about this while I was writing the book. And he said, at the end of the day, 50% of this is all still based on human input. Like all AI requires human input. Yeah. Remember, ChatGPT begins with your questions, your prompts. So that's right. where I think we're, we're not realizing that, by the way, you're the one who has to come up with the idea. So you saw the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air parody that I did, you know, about my nephew. You know, for those of you who don't know, basically... Uh, I decided, you know, because Matt thinks I'm a senior citizen and I think he's a teenager going through puberty uh, because we're, you know, 10, 12 years apart in age. I like 90s hip hop. And so I decided that if I was going to introduce my nephew to music, it would be 90s hip hop. And for some reason, the song that he liked the most was Fresh Friends of Bel-Air. Like that was the one that got the most smiles. So just one day out of the blue, I literally just typed into chat GPT. I was like, rewrite the lyrics to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as the lyrics Fresh Prince of Daycare. And it did. And I was like, okay, great. Here's some autobiographical stuff about my nephew, you know, whatever, dump this into this. And I rewrote it and I sent the lyrics to my sister and she's like, this is hilarious. Then I took it one step further. And this is where, this is a, a, like a good example of humans and AI working together. And I realized, okay, great. We have this thing, but somebody needs to perform the vocals and I'm not a rapper. I, like no matter, despite the 5 million times we played Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for my nephew, my sister and I still can't, you know, sing the lyrics perfectly. So I literally got on Upwork and I found a freelance rapper and I was like, I need somebody to record this for me. Um, and it was a guy who'd grown up watching Fresh Prince and loved it. And, uh, he turned it around in an hour and, you know, got me a perfect version of it. Uh, and then, you know, I animated it and even for the animation, right? So like I did, I'm the one who had to come up with the concept of, oh, I want to take this and turn it into an animation. Then using that, 
uh, I was like, okay, cool. I got software. I have Adobe Character Animator. And even for learning Adobe Character Animator, I was like, hey, you know what? I don't want to sit here trying to figure out how to learn this thing. I'm like, when I got stuck, I would ask Chad GPT, like, how do I do this in Character Animator? And then finally, I was like, you know what? This is actually inefficient. I was like, create a 10-day curriculum for me to teach myself Adobe Character Animator. Give me exercises for yeah. each day. And it spit that out in 20 seconds. It's like, I've just designed my own online course to learn something that I want to yeah. learn. Uh, and, and, you know, that was kind of amazing that I could do that. Uh, yeah. So I, I think that that's the thing that we always need to ask is like, okay, what are the things that I can do that this AI can't? And then how can I get it to help me do those things better? Right, right. Yeah, I love that. And, and Tree, you know, it's so funny too, because I know like one of your, you're your, the biggest fan of one of our, both of our, um, just Cal Newport, like we love his work, digital minimalism. So it's it's so interesting that you sort of teeter in your work and this on this balance beam of like spending less time with technology and also being so enthralled with technology. And I think a lot of us sort of sit in this weird uh, limbo place where we're sort of uncertain of where tech needs to live in our lives. And for some of us, even going so far as to almost being sort of Luddite-ish, like I've seen people going back to flip phones and things mm -hmm. like this. So I'm curious, I'd love to just hear, you know, for somebody who's like, okay, you're making a great case, Shri, I understand I is going to be a part of the future. And in order to advance in my career in some way, I will probably have to include it in the work that I do. So I'm curious for somebody who's been like, maybe has gone back to the flip phone or has done yeah. some the digital minimalism stuff. How do I slowly stair step my way? You do this a lot. You do that. You talk at great length about this in the book, but I'd love to just hear sort of like how, what's, what are some of my first steps to diving into the world of AI? Yeah. Um, so the creative. Let, let's, let's actually frame this from the standpoint of Cal Newport's work, deep work, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know me. I'm like you said, we're both huge fans. And look, there are some Luddite like things I do. I use a remarkable tablet, which is basically, uh, you know, iPad with no features other than the ability right. to write. You know, it, it basically... The bullet journal. Yeah, you can Exactly. Yep. It, it's like a digital bullet journal, but it doesn't do a damn thing. It literally, you look at it, people are like, this is really overpriced for what it is because an iPad has so many more features and they don't understand that's the point, right? Um, so right. I still have certain aspects of my work that are very analog, even though the, the Remarkable is a tablet, I consider it an analog tool because it doesn't have internet access. Um, it doesn't have, I mean, you can upload documents to it and shit like that. But other than that, it's literally just a tool for thinking. Um, so I, the reason I want to talk about this is because if you look at sort of the root cause of 90 to 95% of our problems when it comes to productivity and, and attention as knowledge workers, it all comes down to how we organize and access information. Um, and if you look at the average knowledge worker, they have, you know, 20 different tools to complete 20 different tasks and all the information they need is stored in 20 different places. And what that leads to is just endless amounts of context shifting and task shifting. And not only that, let's just take, you know, folders as an example, because I think people have fought me on this idea that folders are, are good. And I personally think that's just a, a nonsensical argument uh, when you start to really understand how a folder system is, is limited because let's just take, for example, my notes in a tool like Mem. Yeah, you, I mean, you've seen inside of my Mem database, there are probably 25,000, maybe 20,000 notes in there from books, yeah. cast transcripts, little notes that I've written myself about various things, just thoughts I've had, ideas that I, I have that, you know, like are still just kind of thoughts that haven't really materialized into anything. Now, Imagine your second brain. Right? Yeah, it, it's it's my second brain. Now, imagine trying to organize that much information in a series of folders. It doesn't scale very well. 
because you end up spending just it, it, the problem with this, a folder structure for second brain is that conceptually it's beautiful, but it doesn't scale very well. The minute you start to you know work on hundreds of things, you have hundreds of different resources, hundreds of notes, you start to run into this overwhelm where now you're like, great, what folder does this go in? How do I remember where this goes? Right. You know, and that's the biggest problem is that folders are basically like digital closets that you have to organize and maintain continuously. And how often do you remember to put something in the right folder? I mean, you, you tell me, I mean, how many times have you literally been like going through your computer looking for a file where you're like, oh, I saved this idea or this thought. I don't know where the hell it is. I mean, I'm guessing that that's happened to you. All of the time. <laughs> Constantly, unfortunately. Yeah. So the, the, the sort of core, th this is really foundational to the book. And that's why I put an entire chapter on this idea in there about building an artificially intelligent second brain, because, um, I just saw how much better it was. And you know, you're talking to somebody who has ADHD. So like for me, it's 10 times worse than it is for the average person. Like my context shift, my days get shot to hell. Um, I know, like for me, if I check email while in the middle of something, it just, you know, goes to shit. And to be able to have access to every piece of information I need all in one place, all connected, and the ability to not only have it all connected, but to be able to reuse that information anytime I want to and repackage it. Like, the you know, I think I said this in a book uh, that knowledge in a network-based organizational system is a renewable resource, means that, you know, once you use it once, it doesn't mean you can't. So like, let's say you use a quote in a blog post, like there, there are probably things in this book that were at one point or another used in blog posts that I wrote elsewhere, like a paragraph here or a note here or a note there. Because the thing is that if you look at the way I write now versus prior to sort of this artificially intelligent second brain idea, my notes are all like three, four sentences each. And what I end up doing when I want to write a blog post is I combine hundreds of notes together. So uh, you know, every year I publish this list of, you know, lessons learned for each year of my life. And, you know, since I'm a senior citizen, according to you, this year, it's 45 lessons from 45 years. That used to take a long ass time. This year, it was literally, you know, just do two or three a day. And I already had like 20, 40 of them, there are 20 of them ready to go inside of mem. It was like, okay, give me all my notes that are tagged as personal philosophies for life. And I was like, perfect. And then I was like, and then I literally just put them all together in one note. And then I was like, okay, great. Now I went through, I was like, let's reorganize this in three categories um, and then revise it. And even coming up with the categories, I think if I remember correctly, I asked Mems AI or ChatGPT to do it for me. And then, you know, I wanted images for each lesson and ChatGPT literally came up with the lesson. I literally put the, you know, 45 lessons. I was like, suggest images for all of these. Um, and then I used MidJourney to generate the images. So yeah. That's the thing. Like, that's another thing that I, that I, I just sort of, I wrote this down today as a note. It was like, oh, you know, AI tools work a thousand times better when you use them all together instead of, you know, in isolation as one. You know, like, if you think about it, it's like, I'm asking chat GPT to give me insight on how to use another AI tool, you know, um, or how it, I'm using it to enable me to use another tool. So I think that that's, that's yeah. a big thing here. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you taught me this, um, pretty early on um, around uh, around AI is just, well, or excuse me, around the creative process is like, the creative process is so nonlinear. Yeah. And that's actually, I think, the biggest barrier for so many of us as creatives is that we get lost in the sauce around like having so many incredible ideas that are just sort of like falling out of our brains, but we don't have any way to sort of linearly pull the things together. And so for you, MEM has been such a powerful tool mm -hmm. um, to be able to core up uh, you know, correlate, bring together all those incredible ideas and, and actually bring them to, to the, 
to the thing. And so I think that's even so many, in so many ways what the book has done for you personally, but I think what you're also sort of sharing with people is like more good creative work is going to be done in the world because our own brains aren't getting in the way necessarily. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, yeah, Thiago how Forte, messy the creative process can well, be. Well, Tiago Forte said, you know, he said, like, when you build a second brain, your your own brain stops being a bottleneck, which it, it, it typically yeah. is, right? And yep. to your point, you know, so we basically spent our entire lives using linear organizational systems to follow nonlinear processes. You know, for example, like writing a book, like what does the average person do when they try to write a book or blog post? First, they start with a blank page, then they create an outline. And of course, what they don't realize is that that's wildly inefficient. And you, you know, I'll give you an example. So like when I did my books with Penguin, one of the things that I had to do for each book was write a really detailed outline. We spent something like 35 days working on the outlines for each book um, before I did a single, you know, ounce of writing. And the crazy thing was even after a 35, 35 days of writing an outline, I get to the, the blank page and I'm like, we're going to write a 50,000 word book. How the hell am I going to do that? Like that is the most intimidating thing. Even, even when I'd done it before already, like when I started audience one, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Here we go again. Like I was like, penguin is going to basically ask me for my, you know, they're going to ask for their money back and I'm going to lose my book deal. Like, I mean, like every writer, like you just go through this, like, you know, series of like self criticisms and like self doubt and you're just paralyzed. And the thing that I realized after organizing things in this network structure is you no longer start with a blank page. You basically have all the material done in advance. Part of the reason I was able to write this book so fast was I already had something like 200 notes on building a second brain. I had something like, you know, 250 book notes on AI. And I had all this stuff all in one place, all connected, you know, and it was kind of like, oh my God, I'm like, I have all of this already. I've written all of it. I just need to structure it. So I, I told you this before, and I've, I've shared this before. This is like literally the most priceless writing advice I've ever received. I honestly think this is, you know, like the six-figure writing advice was that uh, your structure has to be linear and your process doesn't. And once, and Jennifer Loudon was the person who told me that, and I took that to the bank. I mean, once I realized that, I realized it didn't matter what order I wrote in. I could just write ideas as they came to me or do things, you know, like jot down insights as they came to me and then structure them you know, as I saw fit when it was time to put them in an order, like the, the, the reality is I'd had a lot of this content that was in this book sitting inside of mem for the better part of the last year and a half. The only thing was I just put a structure around it. So you're seeing literally at work, it's like, Hey, the process, the, the, the process was not linear. The structure was. And once you, once that clicks, like it frees you up so much to just write. I, I think that that, trips so many people up to like, oh, because like we go back to the outline, right? Let's say that you were like, I got to follow this outline. And then you get to like part one, you're done. You know, you get to part two and you're stuck. Well, if you know what you want to write about for part three, but you're like, I got to follow the order and and I'm stuck on part two, then you're kind of stuck and you can't do anything. Whereas if you do it in a nonlinear order, you can be like, all right, great. This will go in this part of the book. This will go in that part of the book. Um, Because we, I restructured this table of contents like probably 10 times to get it to the point where it was as concise as you saw, as you read it. Um, and even that, that idea framework, you know, so literally this was something that I used chat GPT to do. I, I realized that people like four letter frameworks, like they make ideas easy to remember. Um, and I thought an acronym would be really good. And since this is a book about creativity, I wanted to use the acronym idea. And I literally dumped the table of contents into chat GPT. And I was like, rearrange this table of contents using the acronym idea and give me a header for each section for each letter. And you've read the book. You saw that. I mean, you've seen the framework. It literally mirror, uh-huh. it maps exactly to that framework. 
I, you know, like I had the idea for the framework, but I was like, I don't know how to organize this. I was like, you know what? I didn't even know how to think about how to organize it. I just knew I wanted to use that word as the framework and organizing principle. And I ended up restructuring the table of contents like three times in order to fit that um, whole concept. Well, so to me, so we're coming up on time straight. I want to make sure that we really like powerfully wrap this up here. So two questions really quick. So first question, though, if you can say this succinctly is like, What's the biggest thing that if anybody, if somebody got like one small nugget of wisdom from this interview about being an artificially intelligent creative, like what is, what is the thing that you feel like everyone right now is missing? Like what are they not catching about AI that they really need to catch as an artist or creative? I would say if there's anything that I realized was that AI gives you the ability to create at the speed of thought, you know, and Mm. that is something you never had before. Like, you and I could discuss something, and I, I was doing this with a friend the other day, one, our mutual friend, Matthew Lutz. He's like, I have an idea for a podcast. I need a business plan for it. And we literally mapped out a 90-day business plan in 20 seconds. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and now here you are, a strategy consultant for AI. I mean, it's like, oh, so... I, I literally, after that conversation <laughs> with him, we like while I was talking to him, I was basically hashing the entire concept out um, using chat GPT. And then he was like, Hey, I have like, you know, five friends who want to take you up on a, a consultation to, to, you know, do this. And so I literally went into chat GPT and I was like, okay, um, I'm going to be launching my AI consulting services, you know, as a strategist, can you please give me the questions that I need to have people answer for an onboarding question questionnaire. And then when I saw what the questions were, I was like, okay, I'm not a data scientist. Let's get rid of this part. Um, revise these set of questions based on the fact that I'm a creative practitioner. And my expertise is knowing how to deploy tools for the process that you're using them for and designing a system for using AI, um, as opposed to, you know, like data science and all this stuff. Uh, there's, there's, so speaking of data, this is another thing. You know, we mentioned that all AI is dependent on human input. The other aspect of AI that makes everything work is data. Like, why is ChatGPT so powerful? Because it's been trained on millions and millions of phrases. Like, and most of us, have never had access to our own data in that way. And so for me, as somebody who has like a thousand interviews, like all that stuff in written form dumped into MEMS AI tool, like you can imagine, you know, in a network-based tool that has AI enabled, I can do a million different things with it. I mean, I can can take 10 interviews and I can convert them all into a ebook and make everything flow. I could literally like, all right, here's my interviews from 2023. Um, Because I always do a a annual lessons learned from podcast guests ebook. That'll take me like, an hour now, you know, and we've never, and literally I'll be like, all right, I can literally go into one of my AI tools and be like, all right, here's a Stephen Kotler's transcript, you know, uh, extract or summarize a lesson from Stephen Kotler in here in one paragraph. And then I do that for 10 interviews and then I can basically say, okay, now rearrange these in some sort of order that actually makes sense. So the ebook flows, you know, and I did the work. And the thing is that I'm the one who started to do the interview. That's the other thing we got to catch here, you know? Um, so I think data and, and the idea of creativity at the speed of thought. I love that. I love that, Shrey. So last question. I'm going to turn the mic back on you. Something that you've been asking for over a decade. Yeah. Um, but a li- little nuance to this conversation. What makes artificial intelligence for the creative unmistakable? Well, so one thing that I have always joked about is the fact that I don't have any ideas. I just, uh, you know, a compilation of other people's ideas. And one of the things I've said numerous times when I emphasize the idea of being unmistakable is that you mix up other people's ingredients to create recipes of your own. Now, AI is effectively that at scale. It's just mixing up 
other people's ingredients. And the thing is that you can mix up other people's ingredients. You can mix your own ingredients. Like, you know, I'll, I'll finish this up with the, if, a, a final example. So this is just a silly example, but a fun one. Um, my nephew is six months old. And uh, if any parent who has a six month older has had children knows, apparently right around six months, babies get obsessed with their feet. So if my nephew has his shoes off, you know, his feet are pretty much in his mouth. Um, and he's always grabbing them to the point where my brother-in-law told my sister, like, don't take his clothes off you know, before you put him to sleep. Otherwise, he won't pay attention to me because his clothes just want to play with his feet. Um, you know, okay. and uh, he's a funny kid. He's a very clearly self-motivated kid, as as you saw from the video I sent you yesterday. Um, but the, so, just, you know, and I was just morbidly curious. I wanted to see what would happen. I was like, just asking Chad GPT about this obsession with feet. And I was like, oh, no, don't worry. There's nothing wrong with your nephew. I was like, I know there's nothing wrong with him. And so out of the blue on a Friday night, just sitting there, I was like, you know what? Write a small kid's book, a children's book for me about feet. Um, and it wrote a silly book called My Amazing Feet. It gave me all the um, captions. And I was like, great, give me all the images to pair with all these captions. And then instead of using the, and then I had the images generated using Midjourney. And then what I did was I took the images of the babies that it produced and I blended them with images of my nephew so the images literally look like my nephew. Um, it's you know, incredible. And so, I mean, you've seen the book. It, it's it, it's oh. mind-boggling. You've seen my nephew. It's it's crazy. And I showed you some of the things I did even with your images where I'm like, okay, you know, Matt and I had been working on an idea for a sitcom and it's like, this is Matt as a four-year-old boy. And Matt was, you know, you yeah. jaw dropped at how good it was. It was like terrible. That was incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So I think that that's really, it, that's a good question. Like what makes artificial intelligence unmistakable is its ability to blend multiple perspectives, multiple artists and do it in a way. I mean, the fact that we can generate combinations, you know, like I can literally blend six different pictures together to produce something original. Like ultimately, you know, every artist is borrowing and stealing from other artists. But what makes anybody unmistakable is the ability to infuse their own perspective into those ideas and mix them together. You know, you're mixing other people's ingredients to create your own recipe. There it is. Blending other people's ingredients to make your own recipe. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And everyone go out, go get this book, The Artificially Intelligent Creative. It's absolutely incredible. I truly like as one of Shrini's friends, but as somebody who's also been recently dabbling in AI, now I'm I'm even more um, hard and fast concern. Uh, like this is something that needs to be a part of my life in every single way. So yeah. uh, grateful again. Thanks for having having me on, Shri. I get to host you yeah. uh, for the day. And, uh, and uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, yeah. And so the, the book is available uh, on Amazon where you can order it. If you order uh, before Tuesday and it, you know, you're hearing this on Monday, there are also uh, some pre-order bonuses as well as a very cool contest where uh, you can, we're giving away five subscriptions to uh, Type.ai, which is an amazing document editor. Nice. Matt's seen it. And uh, oh, so, I use it every day. Yeah, it's so incredible. That, that that should tell you right there. Uh, and then uh, Mem also is giving away 200 smart write and edit credits as well. And so there'll be five winners. Uh, all you have to do is go to maximizeyouroutput.com/slash/ai/create. And if you go there and you pre-order and submit your receipt, you'll be entered into the contest. In addition, uh, and this is whether you win or not, there will be a free mini course uh, on how to use AI for creativity as well nice. as a live Q&A session with me about the ideas in the book and kind of how I've been thinking all this stuff and then kind of, you know, you'll be able to kind of ask your questions related to your work. But yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Shrini. And we'll wrap the show with that. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration 
into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.